Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. A while back, I asked PCOS divas on social media who they would like to hear from on the PCOS diva podcast. And a longtime PCOS diva, Deborah, mentioned an author, uh, Dee McCaffrey, and she's the author of The Science of Skinny. And she said, you have to have her on the program. She's helped me so much in my journey. And, and uh, I, so I picked up a copy of Dee's book, and I was so impressed. And her way of viewing fueling and nourishing your body with whole foods was so much aligned with the PCOS diva philosophy, but she takes it really a step deeper because Dee McCaffrey is an organic chemist turned clinical nutritionist. And she lost a hundred pounds and has kept the weight off for nearly three decades. She's an internationally acclaimed author, as I have mentioned, the science of skinny and the science of skinny cookbook. And she really breaks down um, the the nitty gritty of why we need to be eating healthy food. So I'm thrilled that she's going to share uh, all of her wisdom and knowledge with us on the PCOS Diva podcast today. So thank you, Dee, for agreeing to come on. Thank you, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I really loved your book and I thought that you had an extremely powerful personal story and I was hoping that you could kind of start it off by sharing, you know, your story and um, what led you to write this book. Um, And yeah, so why don't we start there? Sure. Well, um, oftentimes I say that I had it was sort of like a, um, a perfect storm of events that sort of brought me to where I am today. But I had struggled with uh, overeating, emotional eating, and of course, weight gain from the time I was a child. I, I, my earliest recollection of, of uh, overeating or compulsively eating was when I was five and I stole a Tootsie Pop from the um, corner store and, and then I snuck in my room to eat it. Um, as the years went on, I continued to gain weight. My parents got divorced. It was quite tumultuous. And 
um, as a young child, I just turned to food as my comfort. And, and then that became a pattern that I took into my adult life. And so by the time I was uh, graduated from high school, I weighed about 180 pounds and I'm four foot 10, not a very, and I have a petite body frame. So being uh, 180 pounds, I was about, uh, you know, 75, eight pounds overweight. And then I tried all the myriad diets, you know, from the time I was out of high school, all the diets that, that were popular at the time. And then I even made up diets of my own, just thinking that I knew what to do. And I could lose weight for a, a time. But then, of course, I always say the pounds came back and brought their friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then, you know, it, was, it just started this cycle of yo-yoing. And um, after, by the time I was getting into my uh, 30s, late 20s, early 30s, I always say I could, all I could do at that point was yo, like I could just go up, but not down. And, um, and I actually had gotten to the point where I wanted, I thought, well, maybe I'm just supposed to be overweight. Um, maybe I should stop trying, just accept that this is my fate for my life. And maybe I, you know, maybe I'd be happier if I just did that. And however, uh, there was like this little voice that kept telling me, no, you, it, it can't be true that you're destined to be overweight your entire life because being overweight as you are is not healthy. And I don't think you're destined to be unhealthy for the rest of your life. And so there was this drive in me to continue to seek and search for what would be a healthy approach. And around that time, I was, um, I was studying chemistry in college and I, um, I always say I was a late bloomer for college because I didn't start till I was 26. So by the time I was 30, I was getting ready to graduate. And um, I had my, my, my major was, I was, in, I was majoring in chemistry and environmental science. And so my idea was to combine the two and become an environmental chemist, which I did eventually do. So. Um, during that time, I, I actually got a job at an environmental testing lab, and my work was to test for pollution in the soil, water, and air in the environment of, of where I lived at the time. And so, I, so I, as being a newbie kind of chemist, I wanted to learn the names of all of the chemicals that we used in the lab. And, and then I was also really into cleaning up the environment if I wanted to be, a, you know, um, I wanted to clean up the planet. That was another one of my passions. And, and so I, here I am in the, a new, new um, chemist working in a lab. Um, I had no connection in my emotional life or in my physical body to chemicals being a part of food at that time. Um, and, and of course, this was back in, you know, the late 1980s, early 90s. Uh, and I, was in the lab one night and I, I noticed the name, there was this one name of a chemical and um, I was at home and making an angel food cake mix from a box. And I, I did something I had never done before uh, up until that point. And that was to read the ingredients on the box. This was not a common practice back then as it is today. Um, and I noticed the name of a chemical called sodium lauryl sulfate on the ingredient of the cake mix. And I, at that time, it kind of struck me funny, like, is that, 
is that what I think it is? Because that's the, the name of a degreaser that we use in the lab to clean up the, the really oily, smelly water samples that come in because um, they would gunk up our instrumentation if we didn't degrease them. And so and when I went back to work the next day, I, it con I was confirmed that it was the exact same chemical. And then I thought, what is that chemical doing in my food? And then more than that, what is that doing to my body? And what other chemicals are in food and are they having an impact on my body? And maybe this is why I have a difficult time with my weight. And, and that was basically kind of like that opened up the Pandora box mm -hmm. <laughs> for me because uh, being a science, I had the science mind and I just wanted to know more. And back then that kind of information, you know, we didn't have internet like we have today. Um, if you wanted to find out that kind of information, you would have to go and read journals and, you know, you know, try to find information about, about chemicals and looking at studies. And, and, you know, once I started doing that, I, I was shocked. I, I mean, I, I started learning things about chemicals and how they can impact our health. And, um, and then that was that for me, that was the turning, a turning point in addition to just hitting a bottom with my weight and my eating. Cause at that point, my eating was kind of out of control. Um, I didn't talk a little bit, I didn't talk a lot about, about, about that yet, but you know, in, during this whole course, I was struggling with my uh, food addiction and I had hit a top weight of 210 pounds and um, I was just kind of at my wits end. And when I saw that chemical in the food and kind of putting it all together with everything else, I, I thought, you know what? I think we're, we as a country, we're just eating wrong, you know? And then I started looking at I wanted to learn more about the role of food in the human story. What is it that we're doing today that's different than what people were doing a hundred years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago? And, and then started realizing, no, really what's different today is all these chemicals in our food and all the processing that we do. We take food apart, try to make it look better, taste better, last longer. And that isn't, our bodies are not designed for that. Um, and once I took all, you know, I, I say I studiously removed these processed foods from my life and I didn't do it all at once. It was a gradual process, but I know I started with sugar, uh, white sugar, like refined white sugar and, and, and refined white flour. Those were the two things to me that were the biggest culprits at the time. And, um, and then started looking at other ingredients, chemical names that I, even as a chemist, I was just learning to pronounce them <laughs> and thought, what are they doing on the, the ingredient list of the food? And um, from there, I, um, I gradually started letting go of other things. And then I started paying more attention to the quality of the food. Back in the late um, 80s and early 90s, organic wasn't necessarily something that we were paying attention to. Um, not in the way that I pay attention to it today. Um, we didn't even have genetically modified foods back in the late 80s, early 90s, because those didn't enter the food supply until the mid 90s. Um, and, and so I, at sometimes I say, I feel like I inadvertently dodged a bullet there because mm -hmm. I, stopped eat, I stopped eating processed foods in 1992. 
And so I basically dodged the bullet of GMOs <laughs> for sure. But I see a lot of people dealing with, with that, uh, with the impacts of those today. Um, and so it, it basically started me on this journey of um, wanting to know more about, you know, how food impacts our health. And being a chemist, I basically took my chemistry background and applied it more to food, even though that wasn't necessarily my exact role in my job at the time is I was just testing water, soil and air samples. And, um, but I, I spent all my off time learning about food and nutrition and eventually went back to school. And um, now I have a master's in, in clinical nutrition, which um, has been a joy for me to just continue learning more. Um, but I released a hundred pounds in, uh, in 13 months, basically a year of, of when I stopped eating processed foods. And, and because I never went back to eating processed foods, like not like I had done in the past where I dieted and you know, stayed to the, the rules of the diet for a period of time and then eventually went off the diets and always went back to eating the way that I used to. I didn't do that this time. What I did was I just learned to eat better and learn to live better. And as a result, that has what, that's been what has helped me sustain this for nearly three decades now. Mm. What I loved about your approach from as a chemist um, and in looking at food is that for women with PCOS, we are affected by chemicals in our environment more mm -hmm. so than women without. It's shown in, in um different studies showing that we have more like higher levels of BPA in our blood. Um, and I think when we think of chemicals, we think of maybe chemicals in cleaners or, you know, now the health and beauty products. Um, that's kind of like a hot topic right now, but I still think that people overlook chemicals in our food. Um, I was just having this conversation with my daughter the other day because she came home from a party where there was lots of chemical laden food, um, like Doritos, um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, kind of junky candy. And so she had eaten a lot of that. And for the next two days, she was really down and depressed. And I was trying to kind of help her draw the um, association between the junky food creates the junky mood. Um, mm, yes. And that when you eat whole foods, the, the way that nature intended there, it, it creates, you know, a different um, quality of thoughts that run through your head. Um, and so I think that, you know, even, you know, all of these years after you've, you know, written this book or that you've done your research, I still think that this message is so important because I just think people, um, still don't look at the chemical aspect of, you know, packaged food in today's world. Right. And, and, uh, also I feel that everything people are very convenience oriented and they lack a lot of time to prepare or even pay attention. So, I mean, I noticed that even with um, people that I'm working with one-on-one uh, -on -one in coaching that they know that they're, 
there should be eating foods that are more healthy, but when they get into a jam, they're ready to just grab something Mm -hmm. um, and they don't look at what's in it, you know, and then they, and then they go, Oh, I don't know why I didn't look at it. I just needed something to eat and it looked okay. Um, But then when they look at the ingredients later, they're like, Oh my gosh, it had, you know, it had sugar in it or it had uh, a, a food coloring in it or something. You know, and so it, oftentimes the food manufacturers are very tricky too. And, you know, they, they kind of know mm-hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to look right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, they yeah. call it like greenwashing. I think mm-hmm. they make yeah. it seem a lot healthier than it actually is. Yeah. Um, but I, I think also focusing on eating whole unprocessed foods um, rather than focusing on the latest diet trend. Uh, especially in the PCOS world where keto, um, it seems to be, you know, a hot trend or, you know, even though I, I, um, find that most women with PCOS, um, gluten and and dairy are inflammatory, but there's certainly a lot of gluten-free foods that are not healthy. Um, so I love this way of eating um, and just focusing on eating lots of just food, uh, you know, whole foods in kind of their original form. Um, And I was wondering if you could kind of lay out some of your, I mean, I hate to call them food rules, but maybe like your key tenets of your um, lifestyle, because I think they're really powerful. Yes, actually. So um, in my book, I, I, um, I sort of laid out the sort of the premise for the book with what I called my science of skinny laws. Um, and basically there, you know, I said there are there we have laws in nature, basically. And when in, in science, we, we actually have a law, like, for example, the law of thermodynamics or the laws mm-hmm. of, of gravity, right? So basically, these are laws that are true when they can be repeated and they're true all the time. So what I looked at was, um, you know, we have laws of, for how our bodies work as well. And basically, they, they, have, they have to do with a lot of it have to do with food and sort of breaking myths of what um, what we've been told about food. So um, my first the first one says healthful eating is about respecting how our body is designed. And um, one of the things about that is I feel like in our culture we're not really taught to respect our body and our health. We you know we when we go to school we don't learn nutrition anymore. That used to be something I think we learned, but now it's an elective. Um, (laughs) so you, you know, so you, you have to go out of your way to learn it. Um, and, um, we don't necessarily learn, um, how foods impact our health. And so we have to learn how our bodies are designed and our bodies are really designed to utilize the nutrients that are in the food. And anytime you eat something, your body's going to assume that the things that you just ate can be used in some way to build up your health or build up your body. So it breaks it down in digestion and then absorbs it in to the bloodstream and then sends it around to all the different cells. And, and so if you're taking in toxins or if you're taking in foods that are what I call they don't come intact, they're, they've been processed in some way. For example, white flour, when you, when you take a whole grain of wheat and you take all the parts away, you lose all the vitamins and minerals. 
And then when you, all, all you're really absorbing is the starch part of that, you know, you've got starches and you've got some proteins from the grain and that they're not intact. So you don't have fiber, you don't have vitamins, you don't have minerals. And when that gets into your body, it sort of sends a, a confusing message into mm -hmm. the DNA, um, which basically, you know, food is supposed to be information to help mm -hmm. our bodies express health, right? So when you get this basically fragmented information that's coming in, the body kind of doesn't really know what to do with it. And said, so, but it tries its best because the body is designed to be healthy, not sick. And so you basically, the body tries to utilize it. But let's say, for example, you take in something that really requires uh, calcium or magnesium to run the biochemical reaction to convert that food into energy. And you don't have those nutrients coming along with what the food you just ate. So your body will just pull those nutrients from places where they're stored like your bones and tissues and teeth. And you're basically, you're setting yourself up for deficiencies of those. And, and also, you know, the, the diseases that come along with deficiencies, such as, you know, bone, bone density issues. Um, uh, basically, you know, wasting like collagen um, building is, is um, I'm sorry, is affected because you don't have enough of the right nutrients. You know, we mm -hmm. need vitamin C, zinc, magnesium, all of those things to build collagen. So, you know, we just, so we start losing our health because we don't have the right information coming in. And I, and I also feel like that state of being, uh, I like to kind of call it overfed and undernourished where you're yes. eating all of these foods that are devoid in nutrition. Like it just, you never feel satisfied. And you, know, you, right. yeah. you never do because your cells are expecting to get nutrients and all they're getting is chemicals. And so you're, you still feel hungry because your body, your, your cells are signaling your brain to say, Hey, I need, I need nourishment. And if you're not aware of what the nourishment you really need is, you'll just keep eating the same food that's depleted. And so your, your cells never really get the nourishment they, they actually need. And so you don't feel satisfied. And of course, this leads to a lot of other issues. You, right. you, you'll have blood sugar spikes, you'll have, um, you know, which could end up becoming diabetes. Uh, the, you know, there, um, the imbalances that happen in the body sometimes happens quickly, sometimes they happen slowly over time. So when you, and I hear people talk about this, you know, when they say, well, I got, uh, and you've probably heard this too, Amy, I got to the age of 40 and everything fell apart, right? Well, that's not because you turned 40. It's because <laughs> it's because probably from the time you were maybe 20, you know, you, this slow degeneration had been happening all, all over the time. Finally, your body gets to the point where it can't sustain the equilibrium. Yeah. It, and I think one of your rules deals with the refined, you just mentioned the refined flours, um, mm -hmm. but refined sugar. And I thought um, maybe, it, I know that's one of your rules. If you could just briefly talk about um, the difference between, and you do a great job in your book, the difference between natural sugar cane and the nutrients that has versus what we see in the grocery store when we go and pick up a pound of sugar. Um, and how our body reacts to that, especially women with insulin resistance. Oh, right. Like women yes. with PCOS. Yes. Yeah. So 
when I was writing the book, I, I did a lot of research into trying to understand how sugar is refined in the first place. And then what is the difference between like, if we just chewed on a natural piece of natural sugar cane or just squeeze the juice out of it, what would be the difference in the nutrients? And, and obviously there's a huge difference. So if we were to go out into a field of sugar cane growing and just, you know, cut off a piece and start chewing on it would be basically extracting the juice out of it and consuming that. So the sugar cane in its natural form contains a myriad of vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, and of course, fibers. And when we consume it in its whole natural form, those nutrients work together synergistically to actually nourish the body. And we even have studies that show that um, consuming natural sugarcane juice, like just a fresh extracted uh, amount of juice, can actually help people stabilize their blood sugar levels, which, is, which was quite astounding to me. Um, and part of the reason why that happens is because the, the phytonutrient, there's polyphenols in the mm -hmm. sugarcane that work to slow down the absorption of the naturally occurring sugar. And, and not only that, you have, you've got um, vitamins, you have vitamin C, you've got uh, minerals like chromium, which is extremely important for sugar balance in the body. But natural sugar cane is has rife with chromium. It's also got magnesium B vitamins, which B vitamins are important for energy production in the body. They help our body to convert glucose into ATP within the cell. So when you consume this natural sugar cane, you're, you're getting everything you need to help your body digest and then utilize the, the sugar that was in there. And when you take, um, in order to make refined sugar, you squeeze the juice out of the, the sugar cane and then it gets boiled at a high temperature. And basically then they add in these little seedlings of sugar crystals. And what that does is it helps separate the sugar molecule away from everything else, all of the nutrients and the polyphenols. And, the, and then they sort of do a sort of like a filtering away and they, they try to get as much of just the crystals and separate it away from the, the rest of all the nutrients, which actually ends up becoming molasses. Um, in the sugar uh, refining industry, they, they basically say we separate the crystals away to get rid of impurities. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting because really the impurities are all the nutrients that were once in the sugar cane um, because they're, you know, once they get the crystals separated, then they, they do another uh, boiling step and then they do a bleaching step. And by the time it gets to be refined sugar, it's this white crystal is a pure sucrose, um, which doesn't exist anywhere in nature. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just go out and, you know, find some, a plant that has only sucrose in it, you know, in a high quantity, you know, you tip, in fact, the sugar, the natural sugar cane, it's, it's sucrose content is only about uh, 15%. You know, the rest of it is all the water and the minerals and fibers and vitamins and everything else. So I always, I thought that was interesting too, that it really isn't super high in sugar. It's, you know, so, but when you separate the sugar molecules out of it, now, and you take a teaspoon of that and dunk that into your coffee, now you're getting a super concentrated form of sucrose without all of its accompanying nutrients. And then when you take that into your body, 
That's why I said the body goes into this sort of freak out in a way because it's taking in sucrose with nothing. It's, it's kind of like, oh my God, now I have to try to deal with this. It's like a glut of glucose and su you know, sucrose, which breaks down into fructose and glucose. And then all of that goes into the bloodstream and the body has to try to deal with that without mm -hmm. its accompanying nutrients. And that's why I said it, we get depleted of our uh, stored nutrients. And, and not only that, if the body can't convert that glucose into energy, we know that it will just store it in fat cells. It'll convert it to fats and then store it. So, Cause I know that uh, when I was on my journey and trying to figure out what uh, sweetener I could use that made me, my body feel better. Um, I know that stevia, I, I could tolerate stevia, a little bit of maple syrup, a little mm -hmm. bit of like raw honey, um, maybe a little bit of coconut sugar. Uh, and that was about it. I was curious, what do you recommend to your clients? Um, if they need to have, a, you know, if they, it's hard to give up sugar completely, it <laughs> is, that's, yeah. that sweetness. Um, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, actually I'm on the, along the same lines as what you, what you do as well. So, um, one of the things that I always mention to my clients is, is that when, if you are going to eat sugar in any form, make sure that it has some nutrients coming along with it. Mm -hmm. So the less processed the sugar, the better, right? So um, I really do like coconut sugar because of the fact that it's typically, it's just, uh, you know, they take, they press the little sap out of the flowers of the coconut tree and then just do a, a, like a, a low heat dehydration on it to get rid of the water. And then you just, you have this, these, it's, it's not even really crystals, right? It's more like a, a granular type of mm -hmm. sugar where, where you can't see through it, right? There's no transparency on the, the grain of the sugars. And that's an important um, thing that I uh, always let people know is if, is if you can't see through it like that, then it's probably got nutrients in it and it's in a more whole form because that dark color is polyphenols and other nutrients that are important. And then, um, so coconut sugar or, or the nectar, either one um, are two that I like. Um, I, maple syrup is great because it also has minerals. Um, it's a little, you know, it's obviously not a whole food type of sweetener because it's been boiled. Um, but it's, it's still better than like refined white sugar. And then I'm actually a huge fan of stevia. <laughs> I've been using stevia since the nineties. Um, and it actually is my preferred sweetener of choice, but I have, um, I have some standards for myself on that. And I always try to tell people get the, the liquid extracts of stevia mm -hmm. rather than the powders, because there's a there's a few brands that do have a good quality powdered stevia but for the most part a lot of the powders are cut with other things they put some fillers and things in them and so they're not as as pure and healthy and may not even be real stevia in some cases um, whereas if you get the liquid extracts basically what that is is taking stevia leaves which is just an herb and extracting in water the, the sweet compounds out of it. And then you have basically, it's kind of like, I always tell people, it's like making a cup of tea, right? You, you put your tea leaves in your cup of hot water and then you, you, know, you let it steep and all the, the compounds from the tea leaves go into the water. And then that's what you drink and you get those, 
nutrients. So with stevia extracts, it's the same thing. And what I like about the stevia extract is the, the compounds, which are called glycosides that are, they have the sweet taste, but they are not a type of sugar. And so they do not break down in digestion and they don't, they don't introduce any type of sugar into the bloodstream. So you get the sweet taste, but mm -hmm. you don't get any calories from it since you're not getting any actual um, macronutrients from it. And, and mm -hmm. but the other thing about stevia is the glycosides have been kind of pretty widely studied. And it, one of the things that's kind of cool about it is they, when you get that sweet taste on your um, taste receptors on your tongue, there's like a little signal that goes to the pancreas. And the pancreas actually then, um, there's like a, a signal that helps to balance out the insulin levels in the body. So it's got more going on for it than just having a sweet taste. It's actually a healing herb. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to shift to talking about vegetables. Um, yeah. I say that it's, you really can't heal PCOS if you don't eat lots of vegetables. And that is really parallels one of your um, skinny laws. So I was wondering if you could just <laughs> kind of share your thoughts on vegetables and, um, you know, how they impact our body. Yeah. So the, the law that I wrote there was the amount of vegetables you eat is directly proportional to the amount of weight you will lose and the amount of health you will gain. So whether or not a person is seeking to lose weight, it doesn't matter. But vegetables need to play the starring role on your plate or your bowl or you know your wrap or whatever. <laughs> um, I just like to see lots of vegetables on a plate. The reason for that is, so vegetable, one is they're very low in naturally occurring sugars. It's different from fruits. Um, fruits have their place in our diet as well, but vegetables actually need to be in more abundance than fruits. Um, and the reason for that is, is they have nearly every vitamin in them, um, with the exception of vitamin D, which is typically not found in very many foods. We actually need to get it from the sun. Um, but with the, so with the exception of vitamin D, we have every vitamin in green leafy vegetables and then other vegetables of color have their, their various uh, nutrients to them that provide health benefits. Um, so um, the other thing too is the vegetables help slow down the absorption of other things. So, or, and they help you digest your other foods. So if you're eating proteins, whether you're eating animal protein or plant proteins, the vegetables within the same meal help to, with the digestion and help you absorb your nutrients better. Um, there's something called food synergies, which is where the, there are certain like minerals and vitamins that need each other to do their jobs in the body. And so vegetables typically contain the synergistic nutrients. So we don't have to like really think about, oh, should I eat this with that? If we just eat a lot of vegetables, we're going to be getting the, the wide variety of nutrients that we need for the synergies to happen in our body. Mm -hmm. So vegetables are very detoxifying to our body. Now that's, you know, we talk about um, people with PCOS being exposed to, to uh, 
pollutants in, in the environment and all the chemicals that they are exposed to and how that impacts their health. It, the vegetables help deal with that because they're natural cleansers to the body. They contain um, sulforaphane and um, other types of uh, nutrients that are natural detoxifiers in the liver. The liver is our body's main filter and it helps us break down toxins. So the vegetables contain the nutrients that do that. Plus there's, you know, uh, obviously vegetables, the more vegetables you eat, uh, the more room it takes up in your stomach and you're not going to, typically you won't be so full for other foods <laughs> if you eat more vegetables. That's why I say the vegetables should take up at least half of mm -hmm. your plate. Mm -hmm. And then you fill up on vegetables and then you'll have enough room for the moderate amounts of other types of foods. So especially the, the, the carb type foods, I, I, I feel like, you know, as a country, we eat way too many carbohydrates in our diet. Even, even if people are switching to eating healthier forms of carbohydrates, things like brown rice, you know, grains that are good for us, but if you're eating them in excess, to the, you know, and not in the right proportion to the vegetables, you may still have an imbalance. Right. And I want to know, um, what do you say to folks that, um, really do dislike vegetables? Um, I get that a lot. And mm -hmm. I know you kind of talked about this in your own personal story, um, about how things changed for you. Um, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Well, one thing is, is that um, once you start to release the processed foods from your diet and start introducing healthier foods, your body chemistry actually changes and your taste buds will re respond to the foods that are good for you. It's kind of interesting. Like, I think I mentioned this in my book. I was really surprised when I started actually craving vegetables, which I never thought that would ever be the case for me because you know, I was a, <laughs> I was a Dr. Pepper, uh, M&M kind of girl. And, you know, those are my favorite foods in the past. So the, the thought of eating things like broccoli and, and salads and, and even things like carrots, I mean, I, I, it just wasn't something that I was drawn to in the past because when you're eating a lot of processed foods, you're, that's what your body will want. I always say you, your body can't crave what you don't put in it but you will crave what you do put in it. Oh, I so love you, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you start eating more vegetables, your body, your, it's like your cells are responding. They're happy and they're going to want more of that. Mm -hmm. So you're literally start changing. So for, for people who have a difficult time, because I, I, um, I encounter this with clients quite frequently that they say, I, I can't eat that many vegetables or I, I just don't like a certain number of vegetables. So I would say, well, whatever vegetables you do like, just start eating those more frequently, making those more, you know, part of your meals. And, um, and then, you know, there, the, with the in, invention of smoothies, um, mm -hmm. I think it has become easier now for people to get more vegetables, especially the leafy greens because you can put leafy, you could put a whole salad's worth of leafy greens in your blender and add about a cup of fruit in there. And then, you know, add, you know, put some water and you can use some, you know, non-dairy milk or any other things that you might want to add in and blend it up and you'll, you'll get a smoothie that's full of greens, but you won't taste them because you'll really just be tasting the fruits. And I tend to recommend things like berries because berries are very low glycemic 
Mm-hmm. And you can you can eat a lot of them, so they'll mask out the flavor of the greens. <laughs> and I always even you know if people really need something that is a little more sweet, I'll say so add a, a you know add a little bit of ste- uh, liquid stevia into your smoothie too, if you feel like you need it to be a little more sweet for you. But you've got to get those greens in there. Can you share? You mentioned there were a couple brands of liquid stevia that you liked. Could would you mind sharing those? Sure. Yeah. And of course I have no affiliation to, to yeah. any of these, but um, I like the, it's, it's called um, Sweet Leaf. That's oh, right. the, the mm-hmm. brand. Um, in fact, uh, and that I like Sweet Leaf. And then there's another one, N-O-W, which is, you know, they do one as well. But um, what I know about, especially Sweet Leaf is that they use a, um, a cold water extraction and so then, and then they filter. So, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of the time the question that I get is how do you take a green leaf, which is stevia as an herb and then get a clear liquid extract. And the answer to that is that when, when they extract the leaves of course it's going to be green at first but then they filter it through a, a filter paper that has um, very tiny pores so that all the glycosides and water can come through, but the chlorophyll molecule, which is a little bigger, doesn't come through the filter. So the chlorophyll is what gives it the green color. So that's how you get a clear liquid extract. And I just like the purity of that. It reminds Mm -hmm. me of my chemistry days of (laughs) working in the lab and doing filtrations and understanding, you know, how, what that's all about. You know, like you, if you want something to, to be in your end result, but you don't want, you want something else not there, you just filter it through a filter paper that is designed to allow the things you want to come through and the things you don't want to come through, Mm -hmm. not to come through. Yeah. Yeah, well, that I I had no idea. That's that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, you know, you have so much information in your book, and you have some great recipes. And I know you have a cookbook out. I think it's important for for folks to know that you can make healthy food taste delicious, and it's important to you know find resources um, like your your cookbook. Um, and it's called the, the science of skinny cookbook, as well as your book, the science of skinny. Um, and I have lots of seasonal meal plans as well for ideas on how to take whole food, um, and make it into something that really tastes delicious. So that's, that's important. You also have a website. So I was hoping that you can kind of, um, tell listeners, you know, how they can find out more about your work and your Processed Free America um, website. Yeah, so our website is processedfreeamerica.org. And we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating people about the health benefits of whole foods and the health impacts of processed foods. So we have a number of things available on our site. We also um, run a podcast, it's called Diet Science. Um, and our podcasts are available on the website. Um, we, we also run a, um, a, a facilitator training program for people who are interested in teaching the process-free um, philosophy in their communities. So we have that. We have lots of um, articles that I've written on various topics of health. And, um, and we have a, uh, a message, you know, like a, a discussion forum. There's just a, a lot of different um, things available on the website. 
And then for, for one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching, we, uh, we all, I also have my page on the website there. People can find that under the store in our, on the website. If you tab on, click on store and then on nutrition counseling, you can find me there. Well, excellent. And I will post all of that on the show notes as well. Um, and it's just been really a pleasure to chat with you, Dee. I've been um, wanting to have you on the podcast for so long. So I was glad that we were able to make it happen. Yes. Thank you so much, Amy. This has been really, um, I think it'll be impactful for your listeners. And um, I, you know, I have a, um, I have a lot of actually information. I work with clients who have PCOS as well. So uh, even though we, I didn't get into a lot of that today, um, I do have the knowledge and the education on that. So I know how to do protocols to help people in utilizing this whole food approach. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I really feel that the way to health, like I said before, our bodies are designed to be healthy. They're not really designed to be sick. And one of my um, one of my things, my little mottos is um, when we have whenever we're out of out of balance, it's either because we're not getting enough of something we need or we're getting too much of something we don't need. And so I feel that my role is to help people find what what they really need and how to balance it all out. And knowledge is, is such power and mm -hmm. having this, the information about how food impacts you, like on a cellular level from a, a chemist <laughs> is, is really powerful. Um, and I think at, at, uh, before we go, I also wanted to, to just share, or if you want to share um, your very powerful um, kind of prayer um, Mm. that you sort of start your day with in order for you to make good choices with what you eat? Yes. So um, this is a prayer that I have been saying since day one of my journey into health. And it, it basically, I, I say, God, please infuse me with the courage, willingness, and strength to make wise and healthy food choices today. That's what I say in the, at the beginning of the day. And then at the end of the day, I say, thank you for the courage, willingness, and strength to have made wise and healthy food choices today. Mm -hmm. It's a beginning of the day and the end of the day, um, acknowledgement and prayer for, for the, um, the, the ability to do it. Because I find that um, of my own, sometimes of my own humanness, we all are faced with challenges. And I feel like the more support and strength that I can get, not just from a power greater than myself, but from others as well, other people. So having that support is so super important. Mm -hmm. It's such a, a simple um, but powerful uh, habit, ritual mm -hmm. um, to add to your day. I'm so glad that you were able to share that with us. Thank you. Well, and thank you again for joining us. And thank you to everyone for listening. I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, 
please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.